please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. His disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did this man learn these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to this man? How is it that miracles such as these are performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own house. He could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went around the villages teaching. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, the prophet who is hated in his own hometown. If you were to see in a newspaper or splashed on a TV chyron or maybe on your, your news feed on your phone, Christianity's greatest scandal, what would you assume that the story would be about? Maybe embezzlement? Embezzlement has been a fairly regular, sadly regular, part of the history of the church in this world. Manipulation? Christian pastors and churches are often accused of of manipulating people, uh, forcing them to live in certain ways, even against their will. Sadly, recently, and throughout the the history of the church, sexual abuse and, and other forms of abuse have been a part, a scandalous part of the church's history. I, I choose that word scandal intentionally, not just to grab your attention, but, but because it actually is found right here in our text. I know our, our text didn't translate it that way, but in verse 3 where it says they, they took offense at him, the Greek word is scandalizo, from which we get our word scandal. They were scandalized by Jesus. Christianity is scandalous, although maybe not for the reasons that we may think at first. I think most people, especially out there in our world, would think Christianity is scandalous because of the sins that Christians commit. And it's true that when, when Christians sin and those sins are exposed, especially the sins of public figures, famous figures are exposed, that's pretty scandalous for the church. I know only a few of you will remember these. It's, it's a few decades ago that these things happened, but... Uh, when Jim Baker was exposed for having embezzled tens of millions of dollars from his flock, uh, when Jimmy Swaggart was exposed for spending the time he wasn't in the pulpit, apparently with prostitutes, uh, when Ted Haggard was, it was revealed that, that he uh, engaged in homosexual activity and drug abuse. Uh, more recently, Carl Lentz, the pastor of the megachurch Hillsong in New York, was fired for his unfaithfulness to his wife. When those things happened, when they were exposed, they spread through the media like wildfire. Everyone heard about it. And that's not even the most famous scandal in the church of our time, is it? 
Hollywood has made movies, documentaries, stories about the, the priestly abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, even though none of those things had anything to do with us as Lutherans, whenever any Christian brings shame on the church by their scandalous living, it gives all Christians a black eye, right? It makes all of us look bad. Now, that's not to say that we Lutherans are immune from or free from scandal. There have been Lutheran pastors and leaders, even Wells pastors and leaders, who have been exposed as being alcoholics, as having committed sexual abuse, as having embezzled funds from the church, even possessing child pornography. Lutherans are not exempt from scandal. And the world just loves it, right? The world loves to pick up on those scandals and to use it to justify their unbelief, to use it to heap scorn on God and on Jesus Christ, and to to kind of gloat over Christians and say, look, look at your leaders, look at your pastors, you're no better than us. And to which I and every honest pastor I know would say, you're right. We're not. We're not, and we don't ever claim to be any better than anyone else. And, and yet, without minimizing the, the damage that has been done to the reputation of the Christian church and the Christian faith by pastors and leaders, could it also be said that, that shame and scandal are heaped on the church by regular members, maybe even by you? Think of the shameful sins of your youth. If, if those are to be brought up again today, if someone from your past realized that now you are a, a leader in the church or you belong to a confessional Lutheran church, uh, would that bring scandal and shame on the Christian faith? Or, or think about even the, the filthy thoughts, the lewd thoughts, the, the dirty thoughts, the awful thoughts that fill your head even to this day. It's a good thing no one knows them, right? Because if they did, that would be pretty scandalous for the church, wouldn't it? The sins of Christians are certainly scandalous. And the world loves to pick up on that. They are shocking and they are appalling to the world and to the media and even to other Christians. But you know someone who is not scandalized by the sins of Christians? God. God is not scandalized by the sins of Christians. Even though no one else knows our innermost thoughts, God does. Even before we think something, before we say something, before we do anything, God knows it beforehand. He knows everything we've ever done, everything we've ever thought, everything we've ever said, and God is not scandalized or shocked by our sin. After all, he was the one who through King David said that we are sinful from birth, sinful even from the time our mothers conceived us. He was the one who took a grand look at, at the earth, at the people of the earth at Noah's time and said all of their thoughts, all of the inclinations of their heart are only evil all the time. He was the one who through the Apostle Paul said that we, Christians, were dead in our trespasses and sins. And because of that, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. 
Jesus himself was the one who, who described the human heart, my human heart, your human heart, as a cesspool of murder and adultery and wickedness and gossip and blasphemy. God is not scandalized by sin. He's not surprised when Christians fall into sin. Think of King David. You think God was surprised when King David committed adultery and murder? You think God was scandalized when Judas uh, betrayed his son and, and Peter denied him? Or think of Paul. Did, did God cancel Paul? Did, did God say, Paul, you can't have a role in my church because you used to be a persecutor of Christians? Of course not. God is not scandalized. He's not surprised when he sees sin in the life of Christians. In fact, sin is the reason God sent his son into the world in the first place, isn't it? Jesus came to absorb, to soak up all the filth, all the disgusting thoughts and words and actions that God knows lives in our lives. That's the whole reason he came. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. He came to save rotten sinners. As Jesus himself said, it's not the, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Can you imagine that using that analogy? To, to think of God being shocked and, and scandalized by our sin, that'd be like a, an ER doctor walking into his emergency department saying, I cannot believe it! All these sick people are here! knows we're sick. That's why he sent Jesus. He knows we're rotten sinners. That's the whole reason Jesus came. Jesus knows what a sewer our hearts are. And he's not afraid to jump right into it. He didn't, he didn't come to teach us how we could climb our own way out of it. He came to, to take our place in it. And, and Jesus isn't offended. He's not scandalized by the sin that he finds in the sewer of our hearts any more than Someone who works in a sewer would be scandalized by what they find there. They know what to expect. So the sins of Christians are certainly scandals, especially when they're public, especially when they're, they're, they're done by famous people. But they're not the greatest scandal of Christianity. When people are offended and turned off and scandalized by the gospel, it's not because a pastor or a megachurch pastor or a priest was abusive or told lies or embezzled money. It's because of the holy, innocent Lord Jesus that they preach. When the people in your lives are offended by the gospel, it's not be simply because you may have uh, used foul language in their presence or because you have a short temper or because you're not very good at explaining the gospel, it's because of how meek and lowly the Lord you follow truly is. I just think it's kind of amusing, maybe ironic, in December, when, when the rest of the world kind of wants to take over Christmas. Right? They, they want to celebrate. They want to be happy. They, they even want to kind of make Christian carols Christmas carols their own. They enjoy singing Silent Night. And yet at the same time, isn't much of the world, isn't most of the world scandalized, offended by the very central truth of Christmas, which is the incarnation? 
You try telling somebody that Christmas is actually about the fact that God came down from heaven and became a man in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and they're scandalized by it. Yeah, right. Teenage, unwed mother gives birth, and there is no sin involved. Yeah, right. What a scandal. They don't want to believe that God would come this close to us. That all of the fullness of the Godhead could could manifest itself in bodily form in Jesus Christ. People may may say, okay, Jesus was a better-than-average man. He was a, a good teacher. He was good moral example. But God? You've got to be kidding me. That's ridiculous. That's offensive. That's scandalous. Maybe Jesus would be more acceptable to the world at large if he were more like the false gods of mythology. It's, it's kind of strange, too, how those false gods of mythology have in large part been reincarnated in the, the superheroes of today. You know, maybe if Jesus was, was like Thor or, or Spider-Man or Superman, you know, big, strapping, handsome, muscle-bound, charismatic, powerful, superhuman, maybe then the, the, the world would, would appreciate him, would, would look to him, would accept his claim to be God. But the Bible doesn't say that about Jesus. And so the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says, uh, Isaiah says this about Jesus. He had no attractiveness and no majesty. When we saw him, nothing about his appearance made us desire him. He was like someone whom people cannot bear to look at. That's what Jesus looked like. But didn't he do some some superhuman miracles? Didn't he, he speak with wisdom that was obviously out of this world? Of course he did. And even this hostile crowd in his hometown of Nazareth admitted that. Where did this guy get these things? How did he get the power to do these miracles? Where did this wisdom come from? So what was the problem? They rejected who Jesus was. You see, if you reject who Jesus is, you can't accept what he's done either. It all comes down to that question that Jesus asked his disciples a few times. Who do you say that I am? If it's anything less than the Son of God and Savior, then none of his works, none of his miracles, none of his message will mean anything to you. The two go hand in hand. Jesus' person and his mission and salvation, they are all intimately tied to one another. And yet the the people of Nazareth knew what he had done, they knew what he had said, and they were scandalized. They were offended by him. Why? They knew him, or they thought they knew him. They knew that he was just a carpenter, which at that time was not a very noble profession. They knew that there was a rumor going around that he was the illegitimate son of Mary and Joseph. They knew his brothers and his sisters, and they knew that they were just normal, ordinary individuals. And so with their logic, with their minds, they concluded, Jesus can't be any different. He can't be the Messiah. He can't be the Savior. He certainly cannot be God. And they were scandalized by him. And think of this. All this happened before Good Friday. Don't you think that the people who stand on on this side of Good Friday have even more reason to be offended and scandalized by, by Jesus? 
There Jesus was beaten and he was tortured and he was nailed to a tree. And, and that's not who people think God should be. Isn't God supposed to be powerful? And there Jesus is hanging powerless from a tree. Isn't God supposed to be the one in charge? And yet, on Calvary, it seemed like Pilate and his soldiers were in charge. Isn't Jesus supposed to be a winner? He looks like quite the loser there on the cross. Isn't Jesus, isn't God supposed to punish his enemies? And there it seems like Jesus, the Son of God, is being punished by his enemies for the sake of his enemies. And it's all very scandalous. And the scandal didn't end when Jesus' feet left this earth in his ascension into heaven either. Many people today, even many people who call themselves Christians, are scandalized by the ways that Jesus chooses to come to us yet today. To many, even I would say to the majority of the Protestant church, it is scandalous, it is offensive, it is ridiculous that, that baptism would be a means of grace. That through baptism, God adopts people, even infants, into his family, washes away their sins, and gives them life and salvation. Again, to a, a majority of Protestants. This is just common bread and wine. It's made to do nothing more than make you think about what Jesus did. It is offensive to them, scandalous to them, to suggest that this is Jesus' true body and blood which is given to you for the forgiveness of your sins and to assure you of your salvation. As scandalous as those are, uh, our, our AV guy who posts our, our, our services, and, and I've viewed a few of the comments of our services too, do you know the, the thing that's most scandalous, that, that has received the most criticism about our services? It is the absolution. People say, and amazingly enough, they almost quote the Pharisees word for word. When Jesus forgave the sins of that lame man and then raised him up to walk, they said, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. It's scandalous, it's ridiculous, it's offensive to most people that a sinful man can stand up here and, and be so proud, be so bold as to say, in Jesus' authority, by his command, I forgive you all your sins. It's offensive. Everything we do here, week after week, is scandalous to so many people in our world. Doesn't Jesus get it? Doesn't he know how the world works? Doesn't he, he understand that if he just had a little more pizzazz, a little, more, a little better publicity agent, uh, if he would show up with like the prestige of a presidential entourage, if he would, if he would be glamorous like a Hollywood star, then, then the world would pay attention. Then he might be able to get a few more disciples out of this world. And yet he doesn't. Why doesn't he do that? Well, Because the very things that are so scandalous to our reason, our intelligence... They are also the very things that form the heart and core of faith. They are the object of our faith. You see, it's not just Jesus that is scandalous about the gospel. It's what he stands for. It's, it's why he came. Namely, God's grace. God's grace is the real scandal of the gospel. The real thing 
that people reject that turns them off. It's, it's this. It's the idea that God loved his worthless, rebellious creatures so much that he sent his son to become one of them and then to die on a cross in their place so that they may be saved. That's the offensive part, the scandalous part about Christianity. It doesn't make sense to our reason. It's offensive to us that that the only way you can be saved is, is if God gives it to you as a free gift and there's nothing at all you can do. In fact, if you try to do something, you end up nulling and voiding it all. It's because salvation can only be received by faith and not by reason. If we could accept it by reason then we would have a role in our salvation. And no one believes in Jesus because they understand it. No one, understand, no one believes in Jesus because of their reason. No one says or confesses, Jesus was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He, he suffered and died on the cross and then rose again. No one believes and confesses that baptism saves that Communion is Jesus' body and blood that a sinful man can stand up here and actually forgive your sins and that's the forgiveness is as valid here as it is in heaven above. No one can accept that by their reason. We can only receive that as a free gift by faith. And if you believe and confess those things that God became man and God died for man and God rose for man, if you believe that through these means of grace God actually does come to you and forgives your sins, then you are the recipient of the most powerful miracle in the world. You have received from God freely the gift of faith. And you don't get to take credit for it, and that's okay. And you don't have to understand it either because you can't. It is merely a gift of God's grace that you believe these scandalous, offensive miracles that we call the gospel. Christianity is scandalous. It always has been and it always will be. But it's not what you would think. It's not my sins. It's not the sins of megachurch pastors. It's not the sins of the priesthood. It's not even your sins that are the real scandal. Because God has removed that scandal. God has removed your scandalous sins by the sacrifice of His only Son on the cross. Now, what's truly scandalous is God's grace. What's truly offensive is that Jesus is truly the Son of God who came to save us from our sins. What's truly offensive is that these are, even though they don't look like much, these are the ways that God chooses to work forgiveness and salvation and saving faith in our hearts. Thank God that he hasn't removed those scandals. Because if he had, there would be nothing left to Christianity. Christianity is scandalous. Thank God today for involving you deeply in that scandal. Amen.